Only those who have been introduced by Japheth Dolivera know what a pleasure it is. Thank you for those uh, few kind words. Now, um, in our service this morning, what I'm going to do initially now is to take a look at um, how biblical narratives, how biblical stories present their characters. And the reason I want to do that, and this will be a relatively brief uh, presentation, is uh, as part of an introduction to the sermon that I'll be preaching later. Uh, the sermon I'm going to be preaching later is on the biblical character of Samson. And uh, I thought it would help in order for us to understand how is Samson presented uh, to look at the way in which biblical stories generally present characters. Because the way in which biblical narratives, biblical stories present characters is rather different than the way in which we do it in our modern Western literature. Now, of course, the thing about characters in stories is that if you don't have characters, you have no story. You, you can't have a, a, a narrative which simply says, a rock. And that's the end of the narrative. You need characters to, to live and move and to hate and, and, and love and change and all sorts of things like that. So let's see then how the essential ingredient of characters work in biblical narrative. And the Bible knows what it's doing when it gives us such a gallery of memorable characters because we can identify, we tend to identify with biblical characters, with, with David, with Moses, with, with Jezebel. Um, well, we might not identify with Jezebel, but we've, we've got flesh and blood characters that appear to be real and vivid. Now, you remember from, uh, those of you who were here last night, that one of the characteristics of biblical narratives is that biblical narratives frequently withhold information that we are used to getting in the kind of stories which we read in the modern world. And so, when it comes to characters, it's important to remember that biblical narratives rarely assess a character. They will rarely say, such and such a character is good, bad, or indifferent. Now, they do occasionally. For example, uh, we will read that King Ahab was the worst king that there ever was up to that point. And you're not scratching your head thinking, no, that statement's rather ambiguous, isn't it? No. It's an absolute assessment uh, of King Ahab. Now, the Bible does that occasionally, but normally it doesn't do that. It provides us with information, with bits and pieces of information, and then says to us, you put those together and make your own assessment of this character. Get involved in the story. And one of the marvelous things about biblical stories is that's what the Bible wants us to be. It wants us to be involved and not passive, just simply accepting what that storyteller gives us. So then, how does the Bible go about presenting its characters? Well, it does it in uh, a number of uh, different ways. And, uh, ah, I thought we were going to have a technical hitch. Uh, I was going to have to get my manual typewriter out for a minute. But. 
So characterization, that is how the Bible presents its characters. Now one of the ways in which it will do that is through giving us physical description. Now those of you here last night will know that the Bible rarely gives us physical description of a character, rarely tells us how tall or whatever a person is. When it does, however, it's always important and often we can infer something, we can deduce something from the physical description of the person. So if we go, for example, to this verse in the book of Judges uh, concerning King Eglon, then he presented the tribute. This is talking about the judge Ehud. So the judge Ehud presented the tribute. This is the protection money that Israel is paying. He presented the tribute to King Eglon of Moab. Now Eglon was a very fat man. Now, how many other fat men can you think of in the Bible, that is, I stress, in the Bible? How many other fat men are there in the Bible? And uh, I'll save your, your worries because there aren't any, as far as I'm aware. So who cares whether King Eglon is very fat or is as thin as a rake? What's the point of telling us this? Well, we can deduce something from this. The Israelites are paying King Eglon tribute money and King Eglon is very fat. In other words, he's getting an awful lot of tribute and he's enjoying it very much. Thank you. He is, as it were, you know, living on the fat of the land is King Eglon. So we can deduce something about the character from that statement. If we look at this uh, statement, this concerns Absalom. We looked at this last night, uh, but uh, this is a good example of how we deduce something from somebody's physical description. Now in all Israel there was no one to be praised so much for his beauty as Absalom. From the sole of his foot to the crown of his head there was no blemish in him. When he cut the hair of his head, um, for at the end of every year he used to cut it, when it was heavy on him he cut it, he weighed the hair of his head 200 shekels by the king's weight. We go into inordinate detail about the fellow's hair. Well, who cares whether he's got 200 shekels weight on top of his head or whether he's completely bald? What is the significance? What insight does this give to you? If your next door neighbor, every time they get their hair cut, gets it weighed, knocks on your front door and says, two pounds, six ounces this time. <laughs> you might get an insight into the kind of character that your next door neighbor is, completely self-absorbed. He knows there's no blemish as he preens himself in front of the mirror. So the physical description gives us an insight into, into the character. Then um, another aspect of biblical narrative with characters is this, that not only does it give us sometimes, not often, sometimes physical description, but it also sometimes gives us the inner thoughts, what's going on in somebody's mind. Again, this isn't normal. The Bible doesn't normally tell us what somebody is thinking. Rarely does it do so, but when it does, it's always important, always important and it gives us an insight into the character. So, with inner thoughts, consider this concerning Esau. Now, Esau hated Jacob 
because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, Esau said to himself. So here our narrator knows what's in the mind of Esau and he reveals what's in his mind. What kind of a character is Esau at this point then? Well, what's in his mind? The days of mourning for my father are approaching. In other words, dad is soon going to be gone. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. That's what's in his mind. So it gives us an insight into the kind of character that, that Esau is. What about this one? We're, this afternoon, we're going to be looking at the story of David and Bathsheba. And if you know this, the story behind this, um, uh, Bathsheba has just sent David some bad news. And um, the bad news is that um, she's pregnant. And uh, no, sorry, that's another one, isn't it? One of the things I said last night about uh, characters and uh, narratives is you need to be creative, and I was being extremely creative there. Um, because always, always read the script, that's a, that's a good point. Um, as I was saying, the book of Esther. In the, the, yes, the book of Esther, I'm coming to, I'm coming to the one in a minute. If you know the, the background to the book of Esther here, this is Haman coming into the court. So Haman came in, and the king said to him, what shall be done for the man whom the king wishes to honor? Now, of course, the king has in mind Mordecai, the Jew. But Haman, Haman said to himself, said to himself in his mind, whom would the king wish to honor more than me? So here's a person so self-obsessed, so self-absorbed, he cannot imagine that the king would want to honor anyone other than himself. And actually, if you know the story, the king has news for Haman. But insight into the character's mind, that gives us uh, a real insight as to what's going on in the story. Uh, but not only uh, physical description, not only inner thoughts, but also we have the speech and actions of, of people. In other words, largely when we read biblical stories, what we have, we have what people say and what people do. And from what they say and what they do, we then need to draw conclusions as to what kind of character they are. So we need to interpret their words. Why do people say this and why do people do that? If we look at this, we'll look at a, um, this question then. Why do, why do characters speak or act as they do? If we can answer that, then we get an insight into that person. Here's one from Genesis chapter 4. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. Why does God, because in this passage, God is a character too, why does God reject, sorry, why does God reject Cain's sacrifice and accept Abel's sacrifice? Now, I dare say that about 90% of you already know that, You'll say it's as plain as the nose on your face. 
you go to the story and you discover the narrator does not tell us. Other people may have told you the reason for that in the past, but the biblical storyteller doesn't explicitly say. So we need to go back to the story and say, let's try and work this out. Now, the narrator gives us clues. It says, hey, look, at, just look at that and just over there, but not explicit. That's, we are involved in the story. And of course, um, you've been anticipating this ever since my <laughs> mistake of a few minutes ago. Um, where Bathsheba has sent the news to David that she is pregnant, and then David calls her husband, Uriah. And we say, okay, David's going to have to, you know, spill the beans here. And when Uriah came to him, David asked how Joab and the people fared and how the war was going. And then David said to Uriah, go down to your house and wash your feet. He repeats this several times. Why do you think David wants Uriah to go down to his house and spend some time with his wife Bathsheba? I wonder, I wonder what the reason for that could be because the narrator never tells us. And if you still don't know, come this afternoon and all will be, all will be clear. And then finally, uh, we see not only does the Bible uh, look at characters through physical description, through inner thoughts, through um, the uh, speech and actions, but also, and often very importantly, through comparisons and contrasts. And it does it in, in two major ways. We'll just quickly look at these. And one is where we have a comparison or contrast between different characters. We have character, character A, character B, and the similarities and differences allow us to say, ah, yes, this character is like this, this character is like this. In Genesis chapter 38, we have the story of Judah and Tamar. And uh, in verse 26 here, uh, Tamar uh, is about to be uh, executed. Uh, and. Uh, then she said, take note, please, whose these are, the signet, the cord, and the staff. And then Judah acknowledged them and said, she is more in the right than I. So the two characters, and one of them, one of them says, yes, she is more righteous than I am. So there you get an explicit contrast in a story which enables us to say, Judah, bad, Tamar good. Now, here's Judah there. Let's look at another way, the final example here. Two scenes with our friend Judah again. In the first, it's the well-known story of when jo Joseph's brothers sell him into slavery um, in Egypt. And Judah said to his brothers, what profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood. We're not going to get anything out of that. We might as well get some money. Come, let's sell him to the Israelites and not lay our hands on him. For, you know, he is our brother after all. <laughs> and his brothers agreed. And then Jacob, Joseph's father, 
tore his garments, put sackcloth on his loins, and mourned for his son many days. Judah sells Joseph into slavery, and as a consequence, his father Jacob has tremendous angst and, and mourns many days. Let's go on a little bit further. We get another passage, another passage with Judah, and this is where Joseph, if you remember the story, Joseph reveals his identity to his brothers and says, I'll tell you what, uh, let's, uh, just, just before he reveals his identity, he says, look, your younger brother Benjamin's going to stay with me. The rest of you can go back home, but this fellow Benjamin's going to stay with me. And here's Judah again. And Judah stepped up to him and said, now therefore, please let your servant remain as a slave. That is, let me, let jo Judah remain as a slave to my Lord in place of the boy, in place of Benjamin. And let the boy go back with his brothers. For how can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? I fear to see the suffering that would come upon my father. In the first story, Joseph, uh, Judah sells his brother into slavery and it produces suffering for Jacob. In the second, the same brother, Judah, says, I'll be a slave instead. I cannot see my father suffer. What do we deduce from that real contrast? Judah has changed. He is no longer the same man now that he was there. But the narrator doesn't say that explicitly. He doesn't say, and do you remember the story? See how Judah has changed? No. He tells us this story, tells us that story, and leaves it up to us to make the connections. And one of the things that that last story tells, uh, teaches us is don't expect biblical characters to be consistent. I mean, I know all of us are consistent, but don't expect biblical characters to be consistent. See, that's what makes them human. That's what makes them... We're able to identify with people who are inconsistent, who change as we do. So, let's just very briefly then just summarize uh, those four main ways in which biblical narratives help us to judge what a character is like, okay? So, we have physical description, what somebody looks like or how they're described, that can give us an insight as to what they're like. Their inner thoughts gives us insight into what's going on within them. We need the storyteller to give us that. What uh, speech and action, what they say and what they do, but how do you interpret what they say and what they do? And then also comparisons and contrasts, various kinds of comparisons and contrasts. So, in a little while, we'll be looking at the story of Samson. What I'll ask you to do is, as we look at that story, keep these points in mind and see how these points give us insight into the character of Samson.